Welcome to the Transportation Planner. I'm Carrie Long, and on this episode, we join Niles Barnes, Deputy Director of the East Coast Greenway, to discuss the value and demand for bike-friendly networks, building a 15-state trail from Maine to Florida, and how these efforts align with federal infrastructure priorities. To learn more about East Coast Greenways and the Greenway Stimulus, get involved, or find a route to cycle on in your area, please visit www.greenway.org. so much for joining us and welcome to the show. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Carrie. And first of all, happy bike month. For listeners unfamiliar, each May across the U.S. we celebrate the many benefits that cycling leverages for communities, for economies, and to our greater health, equity, and general quality of living. So it's an opportunity to encourage cycling as a mode of transport and as an activity um, there are so many events throughout the month of May, my favorite being Bike to Work Week, lots of group rides, uh, going out with your coworkers, testing that commute on two wheels, um, and other projects to advocate and build momentum for safer bicycle infrastructure across the country. So with that in mind, with the month of May being Bike Month, I am so thrilled that you are able to make time for this conversation today to discuss your work and the broader efforts of the East Coast Greenway Alliance. Well, I am super excited to be here, Carrie. And uh, for those that might be listening and, and are still working from home, we're in the process of actually reopening up one of our offices here in Durham, North Carolina. And I'll be able to start biking to work a little more regularly. But no matter what, it is bike month. So even if you are working from home, definitely encourage you to go out for a ride, break up the day, get some sunshine and fresh air. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the East Coast Greenway and all the initiatives and fun programming and other things we've got going on. Amazing. I, I love that recommendation. I will take that to heart. So, Niles, I am so looking forward to chatting all things bicycle, all things bikes with you in a moment, but I want to be sure that our listeners can uh, really appreciate why exactly I was so jazzed to find you as our esteemed guest for Bike Month. You are the Deputy Director of the East Coast Greenway Alliance, and for folks who may not be familiar yet, this is a... It's one of my favorite organizations. It's really a visionary group that is aiming and uh, successfully achieving to connect a series of trails and network segments all the way from Maine down to Florida, all along the East Coast. And if I, I might be mistaken here, but I believe y'all are, you refer to it as a sister or a cousin to the Appalachian Trail. Uh, but honestly, I think the Greenway is is even more impressive and valuable because all along the coast, these designated trails and routes are directly connecting so many neighborhoods to key destinations, to essential services, and to other amenities with this safe, this healthy, and, and honestly, this fun uh, mobility option. So if you could tell us a bit more about your agency, this mission, and how you support this in your day-to-day work, I would love to hear more. I know my, my summary may not have hit all of the wonderful points. Yeah, well, you hit a lot of them. So it is a trail connecting cities. It is 3,000 miles long and starts up at the Canadian border in Calais, Maine. 
and travels all the way to Key West. So it goes through 15 states, Washington, D.C., all the major cities of the East Coast. And we sometimes say it's from the moose to the manatee. You can taste the best blueberry pie to the best key lime pie. Um, There's so much interesting and amazing things to see. And the whole idea for the East Coast Greenway actually came about back in 1991 when active transportation and greenway planners met up in a hostel in New York City. And they established the East Coast Greenway Alliance coming out of an earlier transportation conference that was held in Cambridge, Massachusetts. So um, it really grew from folks working at the local city levels and wanting to link up their work. It was great what were hap- you know what was happening in New York City, especially around planning for the Hudson River Greenway uh, and in Boston uh, and elsewhere. But what about connecting these cities through active transportation? So um, it's very exciting. Now we have over a thousand miles a vehicle-separated protected trail on the ground that's open for biking and walking and running. Uh, And we're working hard every day to build more trail and get more connected and linked up. I could have muted myself, but (laughs) the moose to manatee is such a great reflection of all the diverse areas and, and connections you're making. I think as transportation planners, you know, your road is only as good as uh, those, those that it connects. So this ambition and this vision that has now 30 some odd years been in the process is, is really inspiring. Yeah. You know, it, it's it, transportation as mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles says, you know, it really is a prism in which to reflect life issues. And it's not just the single issue area, you know, it, it's how we get to work, it's how we get to school, it's how we live our lives. And so, you know, we'll talk more about transportation planning and policy, but we also have to fund transportation sustainably um, and humanize it. And I think that's what active transportation shows. Projects like the East Coast Greenway are also intended to connect in with transit. So to make those first and last mile connections possible. So transit is more feasible in more areas as well. Right. It's a whole ecosystem. And we are going to talk so much about that. But before we do, I would love to hear a bit more about you. It seems like you have a pretty cool job. And I am curious to learn what you would say uh, motivated you to work in this space. Yeah, no, I do have an amazing job. I feel fortunate and lucky every day to get to do this work with awesome fellow staff and so many hundreds of volunteers up and down the East Coast. I have always loved biking and running and being outdoors, and I think uh, one big adventure back in the summer of 2006 was biking all around Oregon, actually. I was out doing a climbing trip, and instead of driving to different places to climb, we biked and loaded up all of our gear on these bicycle devices called extra cycles. They're kind of like the SUVs of bikes. And, uh, and that was super fun, and it really showed me what is possible on a bicycle. And I was with a friend, and both of our sisters were actually flying out to Redmond, Oregon to meet us and uh, come to Smith Rock State Park and do some rock climbing there. And I remember when they were planning to fly in, they said, well, how are we going to get to the state park? And me and my friend were like, well, we'll just pick you up on the bikes. And so we just rode our bikes from Smith Rock Park to Redmond Municipal Airport loaded up their luggage, they hopped on the back, and we rode the 11 miles back. And, it, you know, and obviously not everyone can do that, not everyone wants to do that, but it, it, it opened my eyes to what's possible. And, you, you know, you can Google images of people all around the world achieving amazing things using the bicycle. 
Um, and I think for our health as a country, mental and physical, getting more active is so important. And biking is a, is a very accessible way if you have the safe infrastructure. So that's what really motivates me is so many people want to get healthier, would like to exercise, but they don't have a safe place necessarily or an accessible place to do so. And that's where these greenway trails really can be culturally inclusive public spaces to walk, to bike, uh, have quiet contemplation, and can be very accessible if we build them out in the cities and areas where people are living. Yeah, and I, I think that's also really important. You didn't realize how accessible this all was or that you could bike in these ways. And I, I find that is such a common theme living in a city that actually is one of the most bikeable in the country here in Philadelphia. We're, we're pretty flat with a, a connected core and it's really invaluable to, to get your friends out and demonstrate how easy it is to make these connections when there is adequate, safe infrastructure to bring them along the trails, to ride up along the river. It's such a fun activity and pointing out along the way all these places that you could really easily get to with a bike or with our bike share. I feel like that's every time someone visits or moves or <laughs> is is even drops a, a mention of cycling. I'm, you know, do you want to go for a ride? Do you want to go, you know, take a Saturday and, and peruse? So I, I, I've never ridden to an airport, but, you know, first time for everything. Well, Philadelphia, yeah, is really a leading East Coast Greenway City, too. All the amazing projects going on there along the Delaware and Schuylkill Rivers are, are really amazing. And, and it's also cool to see the on-road connection. So kind of coming out of the pandemic, you know, rethinking the right-of-way, making more space for all modes of transportation, the Spring Garden Street projects. One of the most exciting and also one that has been <laughs> focused on for many years and people are, are hopeful for important progress that would connect the Delaware and Schuylkill rivers. But you're right, you can now or soon will be able to connect to great places like Bartram's Garden, the John Hines Wildlife Refuge, all on protected paths uh, by biking or walking. So, so much to see um, <laughs> just in Philadelphia. Right. And I am thrilled you brought this up. I mean, if you couldn't tell from the the quite explanatory name of this podcast, we are all about transportation planning and featuring the policy and design and context and current events that inform our networks and really shape our communities. With the pandemic, this is a, a particularly exciting time to work in active transportation and this multimodal uh, re-envisioning and reclaiming of our rights of way. As you mentioned, we're having a bit of a boom with bicycle rates and purchases and usage kind of skyrocketing as people opt for less populous modes of commuting and travel. And we're so hungry for access to outdoor activities, to physical activities and to get into nature. So, I mean, with all of this going on and this paradigm shift it's the worst of times, but also the best of times for our advocacy. So I'm wondering how this past year in particular has been for your work and, and as an agency. Well, the past year obviously has been tough in so many ways uh, for all of us and in different ways. But in terms of greenways and trails use, we saw a skyrocket in use with, with so many other things closed. Um 
greenways and trails were where people wanted to be. And so actually what happened last year was the East Coast Greenway hosted over 50 million walks, runs, and bike rides along completed segments, which makes it the most popular and visited park in America, uh, just based on the number of people visiting and and riding and walking. And so um, that was really exciting to see. And I think you know, this is just anecdotal, of course, just where I live. I live right along a, a rail trail that's part of the East Coast Greenway in North Carolina. And so many new people uh, who I'd never seen on the Greenway, who I'm now seeing daily using it. And so I think some of what uh, the pandemic uh, has resulted in is people understanding the value of open space, the value of having greenways and trails. And I'm excited that if we invest in the infrastructure, we can lock in those gains. So we can lock in this bicycle boom that we're seeing where a lot of people felt more comfortable riding their bikes, even in their neighborhoods because there were less cars. Um, and we want, we obviously want that to continue. So um, that's a, a big lesson learned is that the infrastructure is really important. And if you build it, the people do come and they do use it um, and they find it very, very valuable. That is exactly it. And I think what's also really important to to note is that it's not even a jump in demand for this infrastructure. It's realizing the latent demand. You know, once you demonstrate how it works, how to get around, you know, you make the infrastructure safer, like you said, with reduced congestion or traffic or by giving these dedicated spaces if you build it, they will come. And that momentum, we have this this moment to really achieve that at a major scale. With that said, I'm wondering if you have advice from your work or from your own experience locally in, in North Carolina on how transportation planners and designers could really capitalize on that momentum and help their communities realize the benefits of this infrastructure whether it's on a local level or on, you know, a more national scale, like if there's anything that you've seen really successful on demonstrating the value and getting that public buy-in. Yeah, well, community engagement is super important and community involvement in, in the early, you know, planning stages of these projects. Uh, you want folks to feel ownership of the trail and that certainly can come from the planning, but also once the trail is built with the programming making sure you have activities and things programmed on the trail so people feel welcome and like it's a part of their community that they're really proud of. Um, I think we've seen some innovative work happening at the sort of metropolitan planning organization, MPO level, uh, also at state DOT levels. uh, And then now with a lot of talk of changing some policies at the federal level, Um, So there are things that certainly can be done at both local, state, regional, and national levels. Um, Opportunities that we have with the East Coast Greenway are through our volunteer state committees. So we have state committees in each of our 15 states that people can plug into. And these are folks that are working at the local and state level, even with state parks, DOT. Um, We also have a national Greenway stimulus campaign and effort where we're working with over 200 organizations across the country advocating for further investments in biking and walking infrastructure. We think the U.S. needs uh, to fund active transportation at a greater level. And we're seeing other countries 
coming out of COVID, stepping up and doing just that. So Canada uh, recently did an active transportation fund to support uh, facilities like greenways and bicycle lanes and further sidewalks. The United Kingdom did a big active transportation fund. Uh, so we are seeing it happening all around the world. And we do think there's a great opportunity nationally to do that, which would obviously have great benefit at the state and local levels, which in our transportation system, which is not new, I'm sure, to the listeners, um, but so much is concentrated federally. State DOTs have a lot of power in decision-making, as do the MPOs. Um, And so for biking and walking, one of the challenges has been how that funding has broken down historically of 80% to highways, 20% to transit, and 1% or 2% to active transportation. I realize that's more than 100%, but uh, we, we take a little out of highways. So I think you know we see a big opportunity to do some systems change work as well. Um, we know more people want active transportation um, infrastructure, and now's the time. Now is the moment where we can make some of these changes happen. Well, I am so excited to dive into this conversation of how we get this done stick around. I have a $100 million question to ask Niles right after these messages. This Technology Minute is brought to you by GeoDecisions. What if I told you that a technology existed to automate some of the most tedious tasks or tackle complex data analysis? If you're anything like me, you'd be thrilled. Guess what? It does exist and we have it right here. Machine learning is a branch of artificial intelligence, one of the main technologies of the fourth industrial revolution. The GeoDecisions machine learning team has utilized machine learning to decipher and record text from over 50,000 images of gravestones in 24 hours. This dramatically improved the speed and accuracy of data entry. They've also used machine learning to perform complex data analysis on crash data to predict where a crash was most likely to occur. If you think your project could benefit from the use of machine learning, please contact Matt Merrill at M-M-E-R-R-I-L-L at geodecisions.com. So Niles, I want to take a step back to what we were just discussing and get a little deeper into your work adapting or reframing policy to better support active transportation and your work aligning with the jobs plan and other national agendas. If you could speak a bit to how your state groups and how you as an an agency help build support for these projects. I'm wondering if you can just seek more to that policy realm. Sure thing. Well, like any sort of policy change, it's so important to have that vision and to share a compelling vision. And we are lucky to have a vision that is very compelling. It's very photogenic. We can make beautiful videos showing what it is we're talking about, this physical 3,000-mile infrastructure from Maine to Florida for biking and walking. We work at different levels including local and state, regional and national. I think you can't uh, look at any news article without seeing the word infrastructure or hearing about it. You know, we're all being bludgeoned with the term, what's going to happen with infrastructure? But, um, you know, a few big things that are going on nationally right now that we're involved in that you've mentioned is the American Jobs Plan, 
which is a proposal that has lots of infrastructure concepts in it. That's ongoing, and we've been in talks with folks in the administration about how can we make this visionary for active transportation. And we're excited to see some great things in that plan uh, to support biking and walking, uh, to support even rethinking damaging infrastructure from the past, highways or facilities that divided communities, looking at reframing those, even removing those, connecting them with biking and walking. Um, so that whole conversation is ongoing uh, that the administration has been pushing uh, very strongly. And at the same time, in the House and Senate, there's a huge focus on transportation reauthorization. And these, this is one of those very kind of wonky things that uh, comes up about every five years where we set the policies for transportation spending for the next five-ish years. And what happened last year was, you know, obviously an election year, they decided to kick the can down the road and extend the current law by one year. And so now we're back to, you know, coming up on the expiration of the current law at the end of September. And so we're trying to work both at the House and Senate side in partnership with other great organizations to have strong transportation reauthorization bills that support key programs like the Transportation Alternatives Program, the Recreational Trails Program, and even new legislation uh, like the Connecting America's Active Transportation System Act, which we are supporting, which would help improve the ability to fund these long-distance trails that cross multiple jurisdictional boundaries. Um, So a lot is going on nationally, and you're going to see even this month, Bike Month in May, Um, The House and maybe the Senate will release their drafts of their reauthorization bills. And uh, hopefully we we have our fingers crossed that we will have a lot to celebrate. I'm sure there will also be things that we'll want to change (laughs) and modify. Um, But we really hope that we can get the policy changes this year that will set us up for greater success in the years to come. Right. Let's hope. Maybe we'll revisit with you when that all does come uh, to press. I am very excited and, and eager to help. And I assume some of our listeners may be interested in ways they could help support these policy plans and also just in their personal life, how they could be an ally to better in now I'm very cautious of saying infrastructure but um, ways to support the facilities that connect their communities with these safe routes to schools to transit to their local amenities I'm wondering if you have any advice for colleagues and individuals who might be looking for ways to support or if there's anything you would recommend they check out to learn more or to get involved absolutely well Pump up those bike tires, get your bikes in order if you haven't ridden it in a while. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have those. So, um, But seriously, greenway.org is our website, and you can see information about every state along the Greenway, its status, how much is complete, who the staff point person is, as well as who our state committee mm-hmm. chair of each state is. Um, so if folks are in an East Coast Greenway state and want to get involved, the volunteer state committee is a great role. We're, of course, always looking for volunteers. You can become a member or a donor. Uh, We also have some great opportunities through the National Greenway Stimulus Campaign. If you go to greenwaystimulus.org, you can sign on to that call 
or $10 billion to create the world's largest active transportation fund. And like I said, we have over 200 organizations and many, many individuals across the country who are involved in that effort as well, if you're interested in sort of national advocacy work. Uh, we also, of course, encourage people to use the Greenway. So we have itineraries, recommended trips. Our entire corridor uh, is not ready for all ages and abilities. So I mentioned a thousand miles is built. We definitely encourage people using the sections that are built. Uh, for the very adventurous, we have the full interim route mapped out. So we have had people bike and walk the whole Greenway, um, but that is more for the adventurous person today. Um, if you are interested in a guided, super fun adventure, we are having the very first New York City to Philadelphia bicycle ride this summer. It got delayed because of COVID, but we, it's on now, August 28th and 29th. It'll be a two-day trip starting at Liberty State Park in Jersey City with an overnight either camping or in a hotel in Princeton, New Jersey, and then wrapping up uh, in Philadelphia on Sunday, August 29th. So you can go to our website to find all about that ride. We will have other events throughout the year too, um, but we'd also just love folks to go out to their local section of the Greenway uh, whether or not it's East Coast Greenway or not, and and enjoy it, and uh, um, you know if we're not if we can't if we're not enjoying this work, we, why are we doing it? So we got to get out there and appreciate it uh, and take that time too. Absolutely. Well, I am excited not only for all of the great works you've discussed in the the projects, but a ride from New York to Philly. That's a lot of great places and and sites along the way. From cheesecake to oh cheesesteak, you know, we got to stick with there the food. There's a real powerhouse <laughs> on these, uh, what would you call it, these slogans. What, moose to manatee, berry pie to key lime pie, and, and cheesecake to cheesesteak. You're making me hungry, and you're making me want to get on my bike. Mission accomplished. Well, that's the nice thing about getting out on the Greenway for a run or a walk, is then you feel like, okay, now I can go have this slice of cheesecake. I don't feel so guilty. <laughs> Oh, you've earned it. And you've supported active transportation. It is really a win-win. That's right. Thank you again, Niles. It has been such a delight. And thank you for taking the time to join us and celebrate Bike Month and learn more about the wonderful things you are doing. Um, I'm hopeful we'll see some Gannett folks on this New York to Philly bike ride. So maybe we will uh, see you on the trails. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Talk to you soon.